Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hello everyone, thanks for dropping in uh, We did get the new intro going um, I don't know how it sounds. I can't remember if it uh, said our names or not, so we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves anyway. Uh, I'm Jason Walker. Oh, I'm Trey Sanders. Oh, I'm feeling real confident about this. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. so hopefully... Yeah, Trey's never heard the intro, so he doesn't know uh, what it sounds like. <laughs> so uh... It could, could be like the Sesame Street jingle, for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. It's a, it's an interesting song. It's it's vastly different. So people have been listening for a while, which we've we've got several good loyal listeners. We're not exactly a huge podcast, but um, but the, we the, thank those that have been listening. Yes, thank thank you very much. You've you, you make this worth it for us. Uh, but yeah, you'll notice that it is very different from the last one. I did really like the last one, but I just kind of want to make make something new, shake things up, you know. Because you know things do get old. Sure. So, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, especially with the rookie comes alive line. Yeah, I feel like that was still fit, but yeah, because it, it was a really yeah. nice. It was really a nice call. I really liked it. You know, I'm I'm not huge. I think sure. we talked last time about Craig and David Locke, or I don't know if that was on air or afterward, but that was a really nice call from Craig. Yeah. All right. Well, the preseason rolls on. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little worried because uh, there's a lot of rust you can see on this team, and that's never a good sign. I feel like a lot of times we've had several seasons where the Jazz have ended on a really high note. Last season ended, you know, obviously it ended with a playoff loss, which is always disappointing, but it it ended on a high note. We were like, yeah, sure, we lost to the Rockets. We kind of expected that, but we had a really nice series against the Thunder. Donovan really showed out well. And we were expecting a lot of things coming in. And now things are uh, – Donovan, he, he's not shooting terribly efficient. Um, and I believe the, the preseason game against the uh, Trailblazers is – my voice cracks. Um, it's, they, <laughs> still going through puberty, guys. It's okay. Um, we all grow up sometime. Yeah, for me, it's taken until I'm like 24 to finally grow up and grow facial hair and and all the rest. Uh, it's only now that my body's changing. Don't worry about it. I have a I have a friend who's actually a year older than me, and he it, he tries to grow facial hair, and all he gets is a mustache. He just gives up. Most of my hair is on my neck. It's like I don't really get it on my face. It's like my neck. Hmm. Um, so, and I'm not growing a neck beard. That's not happening. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> that just doesn't look good on anybody. It's... No, not one person. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, in this game right now, it's the end of the third quarter. Donovan's played 24 minutes. He's got 21 points. So, like, his points per minute has actually been really impressive, but his points per shot has not been. Which, that's one of those things that we kind of overlooked last season. Is he had a lot of those games. And a lot of uh, volume scores tend to have that. But that's one of the things we were hoping he would improve on. 
granted it's been like five months since he, you know, from his last basketball game and there's not much improvement you can make over an off season like well, that. Well, especially when you're traveling as much as he was. Yeah. And, and he also had the, the foot injury, which actually has lasted a lot longer than I think any of us really realized. It kept him from playing five on five basketball over the off season. And so he's not really, yeah, like I said, he's been traveling a lot. He's been living the kind of the celebrity life. And he's been putting in the work behind the scenes. It's not like just because he's not been posting it on Instagram or whatnot, he hasn't been working on his game. Um, That's one of the things that, you know, there is a bit of rest with this team. They're not playing super well. But hopefully when they get into the season, they can roll really quick. But they do have a really rough first five or six games. So that learning curve is going to have to be quick. Yeah, totally. Um, you're right. I mean, they don't look like they're gelling as well as they should be, especially with, I mean, yeah, offseason aside, um, it's, I don't know. I look at like Toronto, that game against Toronto. Toronto just came out with a purpose and the Jazz were more or less blindsided. So to me, that's a little bit worrying. However, that uh, end of the second quarter and into the third, Joe Ingles just, took over and then all of a sudden the jazz were making these plays where there were a few instances where i was like oh man i just i got a glimpse of their potential and it was scary yeah it's undeniable this team has a lot of potential um how far we'll we'll actually get into in a minute that'll be the main part of this podcast is what we think the jazz are going to do this year as we are about a week away from opening night i think well maybe a week and a half When's the first game? Mm. Like the seventeenth. Uh, seventeenth. So yeah, about a week and a half, ten days from the time of this recording. Probably nine days from the time it gets published. So I think now, certainly, it's it's the time now to uh, iron out all those all the kinks that you're seeing. You know, the, the not quite gelling as much as we'd like. The the you know the the shots the inefficient shots you know Rick Rubio tonight three of twelve so far I don't know where that line will end up I don't even know if the starters are still in the game um, it might be the you know everybody else but I think the Jazz will eventually iron things out but you know like I said they're they're playing the Kings opening night then they're playing like the Warriors and I think the Thunder in there pretty quick so. The season is long, but yeah, they got Houston. They got a. They play what is that? Five of their first seven games on the road. Yeah, about uh, more than half of our games are the first like two or three months of the season. Yeah, so it's. I mean, the Jazz last season, their first half of the schedule was really rough, especially that December, and then they kind of had a bit of an easier schedule um, towards the end. Obviously, an NBA schedule is never a cupcake schedule because there's still always good teams, but hopefully the Jazz don't have another slow start. That's what I'm really hoping we don't have to deal with is another learning curve with Ricky Rubio, another learning curve with Dante X and Grayson Allen. And it is nice to have this preseason because now is the time where we can shake off the rust and then, you know, game one, hopefully, get some going against the Kings, then maybe stun the, uh, the Warriors. 
it's a tall order we'll see yeah i don't know i mean this is brutal the way they start um we play the grizzlies in uh, three four times in less than a month and they're gonna be better um yeah i mean they, they don't start the season with an easy schedule that's for sure yeah, so it'll be a really good test to see where they're at. Um, and kind of on that subject, I want to talk about the, kind of our first prediction, like what do we think the Jazz are going to do as far as win total? And this is something that's not new. A lot of people have been talking about it. And we spend the whole offseason doing this. You know, Where we think the Jazz are going to end up in the standings, where, how many wins can they get? And... So I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about an over-under. And the number I came up with is actually similar to one of the um, Vegas odds, or at least this one sports book. That, you know, I would put the over-under at 49.5 wins. Um, just thinking like that's maybe 50. Which actually, those are the two that currently, from as of Googling it 15 minutes ago, uh, the two sports books listed on this one random article I found somewhere. Uh, the Westgate current is at 50 wins, and the bet online is 49.5. So, Trey, you taking the over or the under on that win total? Um, I'd, I'd say over. Give them a, I'll give them an even 50, just because... I don't, I mean, this team's going to pick it up, whether it's beginning of the year or maybe halfway through the season like it was last year. They're going to pick it up, and they're going to be dangerous again. Because the last, like, month, I think it was, is the Jazz have just such an easy easy schedule, and most of those are at home. Yeah, and I would agree with that, and I just think that this team is, on paper at least, we don't know what will happen, but I would, I would predict, they're a better team, just continuity, and they've added pieces, and there should be an improvement. We've gone over this before. And they won 48 games last year after that absurdly difficult you know, stretch in December with the schedule and the injuries and all that, and they still managed to win 48 wins. And it was funny because the open uh, over-under for the Jazz from this bet online was 44.5 wins, which is incredibly pessimistic. And let's see, the Lakers actually opened at 50 and a half. If you're, what? Uh, that's that um, Laker bias showing really hard. Yeah, it is. But I mean, to be fair, they are going to be better than they were last year. Um, yeah, but not 50 wins. The The line has no. fallen. It's fallen. The better line, it's fallen to 48 and a half. So... Yeah, this is a little more sense. I, I'm thinking the Lakers might miss the playoffs. I don't think they will, but it's a lot more possible that the Lakers miss the playoffs than the Jazz miss the playoffs or, like, fall below five. You know, assuming there's not catastrophic injuries, which is what we're going to just blink it right now. We're going to assume no catastrophic injuries or significant time missed from, like, key rotation players. Yeah, well, and add to that how stacked the – Western Conference is again. I mean, it's always stacked, but it's even more stacked now. Yeah, it, it's been stacked for a decade, and yeah, it's it's probably at its worst right now because the East is just completely soft. If I mean, if we were in the East, we'd be talking about the Jazz potentially getting the number one seed. That would be within the realm of possibility. 
they have a tough time because the Raptors and um, the Celtics and the 76ers are all really good teams that have as much, if not more talent than the jazz and, and also good coaching, but it would be within the realm of possibility. The jazz have essentially no chance of getting the one seed because of the Warriors and the Warriors are only going to get better after the all-star break because DeMarcus Cousins is going to come back sometime around the new year, maybe just after, depending on how much the training staff wants to rush him back. But that's when you look at the, the Western Conference, what, what's your prediction as to where the Jazz end up in the standings? Mm. I mean... Er- I was reading stuff earlier in the season, like in the before preseason even started or training camp or whatever, and a lot of people were saying that the Jazz could finish in the, in the two seed. Um, I still think that's a little high because at the end of the day, the Rockets are still going to be the offensive force that they will be. They're not as good defensively. Um, who else? I mean, Portland, you can't forget about them. I mean, that's one of the I, – I know the Splash Brothers are a thing, but CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are really tough to slow down. Um, who else am I missing? Someone else got pretty pretty good this year. Uh, Denver might be a big threat this year. Don't count them out, that's for sure. The Thunder are going to be up there. That, well, yeah, Thunder will be up there. However, um, Andre Robertson is going to be out for two months to start the season before they reevaluate him. So that's their best defensive player. So that gives the Jazz a good advantage in the Northwest for the first two months. I don't know. Maybe I would say, uh, to, just to be safe, I'd say the four spot. See, that's about where I'd have them is four, kind of a conservative. Uh, three, if they uh, do well. Two is the high end. Like I believe it's certainly possible for them to get two just because of sure. the, the struggles Houston had or you know the things they lost. Uh, but I don't know if those things will hurt them in the terms of regular season wins. Cause those are the things that'll make a difference in the playoffs. Cause that's the thing that allowed them to go seven games with the warriors. It's not going to keep them from winning 55, 60 games. Cause they still have the star power of James Harden and Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, when they face off against the warriors and we just say that the Western conference finals, that would be the difference between going seven games and getting swept and, in four games or the, the gentleman sweeping five. Um, so I, I think the jazz, I'd agree that four is probably where I'd place him. I don't know who ends up in that third spot. I'd want to say the thunder. Um, just because they're, they're so pretty good. They got another year. They've got continuity. Uh, they're keeping Westbrook and George together. They still got Steven Adams. I know Roberson's going to miss two months, but he missed the last half of last season and the Thunder still finished ahead of the Jazz. And yeah, and yeah, well, and they got the season. And they got a better backup than uh, Raymond Felton and uh, Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, they'll, they'll have somebody who can come off the bench and actually put points on the board, which, you know, obviously helped them a lot. And that'll especially help in the playoffs. Sure, so, but they're in the same situation they were last year. They don't have a bench, they have no depth. Jazz have plenty of it. Yeah, that, that is true. And so any any injury could hurt. Like, I guess, Roberson, it's going to hurt them again. Um, so that's why I say the Jazz could easily finish third or fourth. I think they're going to be jostling with the Thunder for that third spot most likely. Um, and either of them with a really good push, like if the Jazz really overachieved what we're expecting them to do, they could end up in that 
second seed ahead of the Rockets and Thunder, but third or fourth is probably what they're going to do. I expect them to get home court advantage for the first round series. And I guess the question is, in terms of who's finishing below them, do you think the Jazz end up facing a team like the Nuggets, maybe the Lakers, Pelicans? Like, who do you think's finishing that, uh, you know, let's say fifth or sixth spot? Hmm. Probably Denver. I would assume. I, I mean, I don't. I honestly don't feel like New Orleans is going to be a playoff contender this year because they got worse. Um, they not that Boogie was there for much of that season, but still, I mean, Anthony Davis is going to carry that team. Drew Holiday's great addition, but they lost Rondo, and Rondo played a big part in why they made that push in the first place. Yeah, I think they did add Randall, so that does give them a little bit. I'm not sure if Davis is going to end up playing the five when they start Randall at the four. Davis has always kind of bounced between center and power forward. I've never really known which position he actually is. Like, yeah. It's always kind of been unfair because it's like when you're voting for all team, it's like some guys think he's a power forward, some guys think he's a center. So it's just like, well, whatever we like him most at. So it's kind of... I think that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons Rudy Gobert doesn't have an All-NBA first team. At least I don't think he does. I think he made All-NBA second team one year. But that's because Anthony Davis is a center when it comes to All-NBA voting, but he's a power forward everywhere else. But anyway, ta- tangent over there. But um, I think the Pelicans are actually going to make the playoffs. I'm not entirely sure the Nuggets will get in because here's the thing. You look at all the playoff teams, you have you know, the Rockets, Warriors, Trailblazers, Thunder, Jazz, Pelicans. Uh, the Spurs are still going to be in there for the playoffs. The Timberwolves, I think, are in the most danger of dropping out of the playoffs just because of Jimmy Butler leaving. Sure, yeah, like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so like the Spurs and the Timberwolves probably most danger to drop out of the playoffs. Maybe the Pelicans, I think they'll probably kind of stick in there. Those are the three teams, like it's... The Pelicans, Spurs, Timberwolves, and then the the teams that look to replace them, the Nuggets and the Lakers, and maybe the Clippers. So it'll be interesting hmm. how those I, how those six spots uh, roll out. Yeah, huh? I I don't I can't I don't think the Clippers will be in the playoffs. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, I think they'll finish of those six teams. They'll finish worse, but you know. You think, okay, the Nuggets and the Lakers make the playoffs. And I agree, the Nuggets have gotten better this season. It's just, it's always tricky to think, okay, who gets displaced? Because when you look mm. at the Jazz jumping up a couple of spots in the playoff standings, well, you think they could easily jump the Thunder. They could easily jump the Blazers. I think the Blazers are going to drop three or four spots. They may end up sixth or seventh. That may end up being Utah's opponent in the playoffs. Because, um, I mean, they were the third mm. seed last year. They haven't gotten any significantly worse. So Yeah, they didn't really add any pieces. They're, they're essentially the same team, too. And they got swept in the playoffs. Yeah, so yeah, I think the Jazz could beat them in the playoffs. But, you know, in terms of how they finish the regular season, they do have a good combo that's just able to win games. Um, and, and I don't know how that's going to uh, turn out. So, I guess, kind of moving on, I think we can talk about some of the players that could end up impacting 
um, Utah's run. First, I want to talk about, is there any surprise player that you think is could end up kind of like, because last year Donovan Mitchell was a huge surprise. Royce O'Neal was a big surprise. And I'll kind of go first with the, the player I've kind of had in mind who could end up surprising Jazz fans. And it, it's kind of a, a grown pick because I, I was thinking about it like, the player that would most likely surprise fans if they had a resurgent season. But, you know, we're expecting improvement from guys like Mitchell and, and, uh, and O'Neal. I think either um, Alec Burks or Georges Nyang, I'd probably lean towards Burks because, you know, we're, I would like to say Dante Exum, but with Dante Exum, he's not an unknown. Everybody talks about Dante Exum. Some people think he's already a bust. Others, like me or on the bandwagon. But I think with how Alec Burks has been playing and with his potential to be a scoring punch off the bench, I think it's very possible he could earn himself a rotation spot, maybe 10 or 12 minutes a game and end up averaging eight or nine points in those minutes, just being that score off the bench. And I think that that, that could surprise a lot of people and he'll come out and perhaps have another stretch of games like he did last year where he has three or four 20 point games and maybe helps the Jazz out. You know, maybe Ricky Rubio goes out for a couple of games with some random injury in the middle of the year. And Alec Burks steps in just like he did in the playoffs. I think Burks, this might be his last hurrah with Utah, but I think it's very possible he could surprise some people. It's a bit of a bold prediction, but I think he could surprise some people. He's not going to walk in, earn himself a 27-minute-per-night kind of thing but he could come in and be a surprisingly influential member of the Jazz this season. Surprisingly important, even though it might be just a bit of a small role. Sure. No, that makes sense. He's in his contract year. He's going to want to not only prove himself to Quinn, but he wants to prove himself that he's valuable to other teams as well, especially because they're going to be, people are going to be wanting to give him money. Um, no, I like where I like that. Honestly, yeah, because, yeah, Burks just, like, disappeared. He played, like, some games, and then he just didn't play, and then he came back, and then he tore it up. <sighs> um, surprise player. Um, I don't know. I want. <laughs> I think I'll go – I think I'll go with Niang just because I watched him in the summer league. He just seems like he's got a good skill set that he really just improved upon when he was playing for the Stars last year. Plus, he was on that two-way, so he had some NBA minutes here and there, but it was only if, we're, if we needed him. I was going to go with, like, the easy route of, like, Grayson Allen, but just watching him, man, he just – he makes some decisions where I'm like, dude, come on. I, I just – he's going to have a tough time. He's going to be a great spot-up shooter in the long run, but other than that, I, he's, he's just making a lot of rookie mistakes. Yeah, he's going to need to definitely build on that, and I agree is is – Number one role is going to be go stand in the corner and make three point shots. Uh, For sure, yeah. Take that off screen. Take that off ball screen. Find yourself open and take the shot. Yeah, which that's fine now because we got plenty of other guys and just me and him for shooting. But uh, yeah, I do like Nian because he's kind of that. When you think of um, backup power forwards, and I believe we mentioned this last week, where Derek Favors, he's our power forward, and I actually wrote a piece on. Um, you know, kind of the evolution of the power forward in Utah, and I wrote it for SLC Dunk, and it'll be showing up uh, pretty soon here. It actually might go up after this podcast, so you know you might know the future. 
But and again, we talked about this last week where Derek Favors, he's on paper the power forward, but he's really the backup center. And behind Favors, there's not really a power forward, except for Jay Crowder and a couple of other small forwards. But I do think Nyang could be a sleeper pick for an eventual backup power forward because he's got the skill sets and the build of an actual stretch four, whereas a lot of the other guys who we're thinking might fill in those power forward minutes are going to be small forwards masquerading as power forwards. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'm on board with it. And I, I don't even don't forget about Tony Bradley. I want to see him get some more minutes because he looks like he's put on just a ton of muscle, man. And see, I don't know what to think about Tony Bradley. Because for me, he's that he's that project that just feels like he'll never actually pan out. And I could be completely wrong on that. Because um, whenever I've talked to anybody about Tony Bradley um, that would actually know anything about it, it seems like the Jazz like this kid. And he has good skill sets. He could stretch the ball out. I think, I think he's a three-point shooter, isn't he? Like not um, like not a knockdown, but like a guy who can shoot in the low thirties. Yeah, more of a stretch. Yeah, he is. But he's so good. He's so good with his feet. He's got sound footwork down in the post. Yeah, I mean, this is a late first round pick. I mean, that's around where Rudy Gobert was selected and a bunch of other guys who have been successful. And in the in the D League or the G League or whatever it's called, he's averaging like fifteen and ten or fifteen and twelve almost probably. And like three or four blocks, like he's dominating the G League, which is always that's like your minimum requirement if you want to end up in the NBA is that you're dominating in the G League. And he's doing that. And I've not watched him, so I can't attest anything to his footwork. Which, if that's that is true, I would very that's that's huge for a big man. Um, so maybe Tony Bradley will see some minutes. Um, he might only see minutes in cases where Favors or Gobert are taking a game off or two, or heaven forbid they go out for long stretches. And maybe that's where Bradley will get his chance. Sure. Yeah, Niang, he's gonna he's gonna fill that void for sure. I mean, um, just to give you a, a good uh, indication of how good he is, he just hit back to back threes. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he ran the floors like a point forward. It was pretty nice. Yeah, see, he is that, uh, you know, that perimeter style power forward where he can be kind of a point forward. But he does have the build. He's, you know, tall. Uh, I think he's got the weight. I don't know how. What's his listed weight? Looking it up. Two thirty. That's solid. He's not yeah. going to get moved around real easily. So. Yeah. It's not like Joe Ingles, who's all of 205 pounds or whatnot. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that keeps Drake Crowder being able to play power forward is he weighs like 240. Right, yeah, he's just a he's just a big man. Yeah. So, I guess on the, uh, on the other end, uh, is there a player you feel like is in danger of regressing? Getting worse because that's the thing, um, and I've mentioned this before. One of my coworkers, he he tweeted out and he said one of the dangers of being a fan is that we assume everything that went wrong, 
the previous year will get fixed and that everything that went right will stay the same. That's never, ever, ever been true, except, I think, for the Warriors from, like, 2014 to 2015. That's pretty much the only time that's ever happened. Hmm. Um, so if you're looking at the roster, who you thinking is aggressing? I do have a name, and I don't like saying this, but I think um, Royce O'Neal could regress. I don't know if mm. it'll be his fault. It might be due to the fact that he stepped in because there was nobody else there. Now there's everybody else there. So Sure, yeah, Tabo's back, yeah. Yeah, Tabo's there, Allen's there, Exum's there. That's three names. Like he like I said, he came in when there's nobody there, and now he's gonna have to fight to get fifteen minutes. He's really going to have to separate himself, and if he doesn't, Quinn Snyder doesn't play well, he does play favorite sometimes, but if if you're not performing, you can get taken out. And we've seen it happen. Burks will play well, and he'll get tons of minutes, and then suddenly he'll slouch a little bit, and he's gone. And that could happen to Royce O'Neal. It's happened to Dante Exum. It's happened to Burks, like I said. It's happened to half the players on this roster, and they don't play well, and they get benched. And I could very easily see, as much as I love Royce O'Neal, he could uh, end up regressing a little bit this season. Like I said, it may not him being just getting worse. It may just be a rough stretch and he never sees the floor again. Now you're saying this just because he won't be able to produce the way he was because of those minutes. Yeah. It's kind of a compounding thing where maybe he struggles and then he gets put down to like eight minutes a game. Then he comes in and he's not able to get into a rhythm and he just struggles. And then Maybe Cephalosha comes back, plays really well. Maybe Dante Exum's killing it. Um, and like I said, if, if Burks, if my uh, surprise pick of Burks ends up coming, like these minutes got to come from somewhere. And Royce O'Neal, if, if he's not the one producing, and he could very well end up being the one who does produce. He could easily improve, and I hope he does. And that's what I would expect. He's a hard worker. And he's not the kind of guy who's, you know, going to be ineffective just because he's not making his shot. A lot of his value does come from other things, but there's other guys, other veterans, and other more valuable guys to this team, you could say, potentially, that may end up taking his place. Had to pick somebody with this. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go so... I mean, you have a strong argument, but I don't know if I would go so far as to say he's the one that would would regress. If there's anybody that's going to regress, I have a feeling it's going to be Ricky. Not on like what he brings to the table as far as being a playmaker and being a defender, but is he going to be as good as shooting the ball as he was in the last half of the year last year? I can very much agree. I can see where you're coming from there. You know, and it, you know what I mean? Because like this is the first season that one he's had. He's been, uh, he's had the same coach and the same system, um, and they worked diligently to get him to where he was last year, which is awesome. But it's also like he's going to be a part of that scouting report now. I don't think that people are going to give him those open looks like they were last year. People are going to respect him more, and I want to see how he kind of. Uh, reacts to that. 
So I think it's really interesting you bring that up. And like I said, I can see where you're coming from there. I He could do that. And the thing is, uh, I'm trying to figure out which year it was. He had a post-All-Star split that was really good a few years back in Minnesota. I'm looking it up right now. Let's see. Yeah, here's one that was pretty decent. It's the 2016-17, so his last year in Minnesota. Post-All-Star break, he shot 42%. Uh, overall, 35% from three, 90% on free throws. So nothing absolutely spectacular. He averaged 16 points, 10.5 assists, 4.6 rebounds. So he's had this kind of split before, mm. um, post-All-Star break, which is essentially what he did in this past year, the 2017-18 season. Look at his, his post-All-Star splits, uh, 43% overall. 40.9% from three, and, you know, he's averaging 15, five, and five. Um, so I can see that. I mean, I I hope that the Jazz fixed him, at least his shot. <laughs> he doesn't have to I, shoot. I like that. They fixed him. We'll <laughs> <laughs> say fix his shot because um, the rest of him wasn't broken. It was his shot that was broken. Um, sure. And, yeah, and, and he doesn't have to shoot 40%. I would absolutely love him to because that would be absolutely huge because I still remember that game against the Spurs when they were keying on Rubio as an offensive shooting, like, scoring threat. You know, it was the craziest thing ever to see how Ricky Rubio then just proceeded to shred the Spurs' defense at that point. Yeah. Um, because they had to key on him. I think it's interesting you say that he's going to be on that scouting report. You know? We'll see what we can do. Uh, for what it's worth, like I said, Rick Rubio shot 3 of 12 today. Um, but he did shoot 2 of 5 from 3, which is 40%. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you never know. I love math. Yeah, it's wild, man. It's funny because you see 2 of 5 on a box score and you think, eh. but that's 40%. That's if he did that every game, we'd call him a good three-point shooter, which, you know, it's context for you, I guess. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it. yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to watch because, to be fair, uh, the Jazz looked just awful in this in this game. Actually, the bench has just um, carried us to the win. It's like 123-09. Yeah, um, yeah, I've had the box score up, and I've just been watching the Jazz number just keep going up and up. Yeah, that's been funny. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out because a lot of players are going to be on the scouting report and and Quinn Snyder has this really awesome um I wouldn't even call it a problem. It's just he's got so much depth. He's got so many teams that are going to have to account for everybody <laughs> on any given night. Yeah, and so how much do you think that's going to play into the the eventual standing like because we talk about where the jazz might finish you know i know are between two and four maybe even five if they have a bit of a they do the same thing they've done the last couple of years struggled and then had a late surge do you think depth is going to play a really big part because when you look at these preseason games against nba teams it's been really rough start i mean first quarter the jazz lost 33 to 24 but in the second half, the Jazz outscored the Trailblazers by, quick math, 20, 
four points, 25 points. I don't know, something, something in that range. Uh, do you think the, the fact the Jazz have a really good bench will carry them to more wins? Um, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, you got a bunch of, you can rest your key guys. And obviously, you know, Quinn is going to figure that out. I don't even know. How, I don't even want to know where he begins on managing this, but he can take his key guys out. Like say Donovan needs like a two minute rest. You take him out for two minutes. You plug in Dante Exum, you put him back in the game. You move Dante to like the three spot, you know I mean? He's got so many pieces he can move and the deeper your bench is and the more talent that's on that bench. Yeah. You're going to go far. Yeah, and I think the other thing in you mentioned moving Dante Exum to the three, I think lineup combinations is where Quinn Snyder could end up really shining. That's you know where he can make the difference in several games. Where you know maybe one game we need to go small, and so we're running you know Rubio, Mitchell, Dante Exum, Joe Ingles, and Derek Favors as a lineup, and we're just running you know maybe run somebody out of the building, just absolutely kill them going up and down the court, you know all kinds of different things. And maybe the next game they need to go big, so they're playing, I don't know, maybe one lineup looks like, you know, Dante Exum, Alec Burks, Jay Crowder, Derek Favors, and Rudy Gobert. Um, I think there's some very interesting lineup combinations that we could see. And, and because of that, that depth, like you mentioned, this there are like 10 guys on this on this roster that could see playing time and that, you know, maybe they need they're gonna have to be ready maybe one game they'll play 20 minutes and the next game they'll play 12 just depending on who they end up playing exactly yeah situational yeah because i mean a, a team like the trailblazers they're a very small team and so maybe you'll need to play one of those small lineups and then maybe you'll play you know the the pistons where they're rolling out andre drummond and blake griffin and you'll need to play big so all right. Any last thoughts on the week? Things are really starting to take off here with basketball, but um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not getting too. I mean, I'm still excited that the season is about to start, but from what I've seen, it's still very much a work in progress because apparently from what I've heard, Quinn has been implementing a lot of new things for them to do. And one of those is, you know, getting one extra offensive rebound, getting one extra assist, one extra pass, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a matter of when that's going to click. That's what I'm kind of not worried about. It's just, when does that happen? When does that, that switch get flipped? Cause honestly, we got the test from Toronto and we got a test from Portland tonight, but the preseason you put in the bench in the last quarter of the game because you want your key guys to be rested and um, you can go back to the drawing board, go to practice, see what you need to improve on stuff like that. I, I it's insane that we have to play gold state for the second game of the season. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be something to watch. Yeah. And, and it'll be a test. And like you said, we'll, We'll see what the Jazz do in terms of being able to implement those new things. There's a lot of improvements they can make as a team overall. And how quickly they improve on those things will certainly impact, uh, like you've already said, where they end up in the standings. Um, so anyway, that's that's all we've got for this week. Again, thank you so much for listening. Um, 
for season two of hashtag jazz. Um, but from Jason Walker and Trey Sanders, again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>